Welcome to the Life Family Church Sermon Podcast. If this is your first time listening, you can check us out on our website at lifefamily.church or on Facebook at LFC Beardstown. Now let's get right to the message. Praise you, Father. Lord, we're just so grateful for your presence here this morning. David said, better is one day. One day. Better is one day in your courts than a thousand in the... And he was talking about the richest men's tents of that time. Better is one day. Lord, better is just one one time here this morning with you than to be in the finest castles in the world. Just to have your presence. Lord, there are people right now who are longing for what is available here in this church. People all around the world hurting, broken, doing drugs, doing all kind of debaucherous things, but all they need is your presence. That's all they need. And, and you're here with us right now. And we are so privileged and honored to know that we get to sit in your presence and experience your great love. In the name of Jesus. Listen, I, I wanted to kneel because and I thought, Lord, people are going to think I'm super spiritual. The guys, because the presence of God is so strong here, you guys. Don't take this for granted. Don't take this for granted. I mean, I, I don't know how it's been here. I've been all over the world, even during the pandemic. But just being able to come together. He said, where two or more are gathered in my name, there I am in the midst of them. Don't take this for granted. Don't take this for granted. I think when we get to heaven, we will just, what? We could have had so much more of these times man that water bottle (laughs) amen so um uh christy's gonna share just a little bit for a minute and nobody gave us like a time frame so i want to be careful but i'm gonna sit while she turn on maybe is that on Let's just stay in that that atmosphere where we were. But, you know, I have not publicly shared this testimony. I don't even know if I've shared it with you all. But um, I used to always joke with my family, and I would say, you know, I have more faith than all y'all. Now, I'm originally from West Virginia, and I don't usually use y'all, but it was appropriate in that space. And I said, I have more faith than all y'all. And they'd say, why did you say that, Mom? And I'd say, because, you know, Dad has talked about how he has seen Jesus. And Tori, my 17-year-old, who actually wrote this uh, tween devotion back here. I'll just kind of mix this all in. She wrote a tween devotion back here. We only have three of them, um, uh, 30-day devotional. Um, and she co-wrote the Tori's Terrific Tours with me, the child's book, that helps us actually help Life Impact International. Um, we, um, she, said, she said she's seen Jesus, and my little one here, Alexis, said that when she was really little, Jesus came and laid down with her. Well, I'd never seen Jesus, and I'd never been to heaven, and I thought, wow, that's something special that all my family has done this, but I haven't. And in 2020, at the end of the pandemic, or not the end of the pandemic, excuse me, in 2020, in August, all of the youth camps, all of our meetings had pretty much canceled. And we had one church in Idaho who said we still want to do this camp. And it was a, you, most people would say it's a kid's camp, but it was actually a tween camp. Do you guys know that word, tweens? So it was a tween camp, and we went to this camp, and um, it was probably a little over 100 kids, and it was actually in 25 years of doing youth ministry, it was the richest, most intimate camp I had ever been in. It was the most moving, one of the most moving services I, where I'd encountered the presence of God with tweens who were crying out to the Lord, who were sitting in his presence, who were worshiping until midnight, who didn't check their time, didn't wonder where to go or what to do. They were fully engaged, understanding that he is all they needed. And so as we were worshiping him, I was in the back by myself, just really expressively like dancing before the Lord. And I went to heaven and I saw Jesus. And I was with Jesus just as much as I'm with you right now. 
And I had a daughter who passed away 14 years ago, 14 years ago, and I was with her as well. And Jesus watched us dance together, and it was a lovely reunion, and I had so, I was so touched and so blessed. And then my family, we all joined together, and we all danced in front of Jesus, and he just really enjoyed us. He just really enjoyed us fellowshipping one with another. It was so meaningful to him to see us happy as I was in heaven. Well, I ended up going to heaven again. Uh, I don't remember the time frame. Well, I think, so I ended up going to heaven again. Right, it was, it was like a week late. It was like actually that Sunday service in that church. And this is what I wanted to make the point about, is that in that service, I was on the front row, and I often would have pretty explosive praise. You know, when you've lost a child or you've been through anything where you know the devil could have taken you out, then you have a praise in you when you come through that that's like, you know, I don't care who thinks I'm crazy. I don't care what they think about me because God has changed my life, right? So I just am kind of like explosive like that, right? I was on the front row, and I was like, there. I'm praising, worshiping the Lord. All of a sudden, there I am. I'm in heaven again with Jesus. I went, wow. Oh, my gosh. I mean, but this time, Jesus and I are like, we are actually singing a worship song. And the, the song is to him. We're singing to him, not about him. And we are face-to-face, almost so much so that I can't even make out his features because we are so close and as we're, I'm singing to him and we are face to face, it's as if I'm a little bit elevated above the floor and we are going fast. I mean, we're moving fast. Things are happening quickly, getting to wherever we're going. And we're kind of coasting above all the ground as we're face to face. And you know, I'm sorry for chewing gum. Um, as they changed the song, it was a beautiful song, the, um, the blessing song. May his favor be upon you. Do you know, as we sang that song, Jesus and I stopped looking at each other, and we just stopped, and we were standing there, and we were, it was still a beautiful, intimate situation, but we were no longer face-to-face and coasting fast. We were stopped, and we were just enjoying the presence of one another. And so I really want to encourage you this morning. I ended up going again to heaven even after that. And I'll go ahead and share that with you because I think it's important in that three-part visitation. But um, I want to encourage you that, you know, in these praise and worship times, you guys are intimate praise and worship, where we just went in a heart. I mean, just that quick with you guys was amazing. I mean, it takes so long to get there with a lot of churches, a lot of places. I mean, it's just, that was fast. So I already know you guys are intimate. That's obvious. Um, But the next time I went to heaven was a couple weeks later. And we were in a prayer conference, and they were sort of singing. It was, a, it was a, a, a several generations that were leading this prayer conference. They were kind of go from like one song maybe in the 70s to another song in 1990 to a current song. I mean, there was just a lot of changes, and the flow was a little different here and a little different there. And I was just I was way far back in the back. We weren't speaking or anything, and I just had my hands raised, was praising God. And suddenly, there I am with the Lord again. I was like, hi, this is like amazing, right? And he takes me all of a sudden, there we are intimately worshiping him, directly to him. And suddenly we're on the top of this precipice of this mountain that is so high. I mean, we're probably talking 14,000, well, maybe not a 14er, but pretty high, you know, 15, 14,000 feet, somewhere like that. And I am, as I'm with him, I'm actually holding up my foot like this, I was a cheerleader for a couple of years, and I used to have to do this thing where I did this, and they would flip me and turn me, whatever. And it, it makes me think that I actually pulled my foot over like this to him, and he said, just hold on to me. And he said, because as long as you're holding on to me, as long as you're with me, there will be nothing. Every single thing in this earth, you know that song, will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace? Well, that's the case, Right? We hold on tight to him, and we recognize that all of the things, and as I came, and that was the shortest visitation. He just said that to me, and I was right back, and that song was being sung as soon as I came back, and I went, yes, as soon as they started singing that song. Well, little did I know that we would face another big, big big situation, 
and that's not something I'm going to share at this time, but we, we faced something that was a huge challenge and, uh, and gave us another opportunity to say, God, we, we're going to prove you faithful. We're going to prove you faithful to your word. And so I just want to encourage you this morning with that precious place that we just went to. Just keep, keep that praise towards him because it truly does empower us to the point of coming through every single thing that this world would try to trip us up with, you know? Just try to slow us down with. Let's not be slowing down. Let's just keep speeding up. Doesn't matter how old we are, how young we are, the Lord has desired to use us to do great things. No small things. There's no small things in the kingdom. There is significant things. There is us doing our part, which leads me, and I wasn't doing this on purpose, but the littlest pebble, Cliff wrote, and it's about a little pebble who was looking for its place. And I don't think it's just a children's book. I think it's a book for anybody, for anybody who needs to be reminded that you are significant, you are important, you matter, and anybody else that you know. So if I'm talking to you and you're like, yeah, we, we know all this, so then somebody else needs to know. Um, we also have Cliff's Blueprint for a Dreamer back there. You guys probably have known about that one. And um, I told you about the Tories, Terrific Tours. Those all support us in doing the work of the ministry. We actually get into um, schools now with the Tories, Terrific Tours. It is not a, it's not a Christian message. It gets us into schools, and it helps us to help rescue children all over the world in memory of our daughter. So thank you for having us today. It's such a pleasure to worship with you. Amen. Amen. Okay, so this is, I think this is going to be interesting. We, um, we're grateful for you guys' partnership. Um, we're constantly asking God for more partners because we couldn't do it alone. Um, February, I'd been pursuing three times to connect with a man who'd worked with Reinhard Bonnke and John Osteen, 200 to 500,000 for evangelistic outreaches. And I connected with him. I tried, tried again and again before the pandemic, then... During the pandemic, nobody wanted you to go anywhere, but I still tried. And then uh, December, November, I tried to go. They wouldn't let me go. Um, the test didn't work out correctly. Um, I'm not, I don't, whatever other bit, anybody else has to do, you got to do, but I didn't get the vax. And so I did the antigen test one time in Alabama. No, actually I did, did it in Tulsa. Then I had to drive to Alabama, so it'd be ready. Fly out of Birmingham. They said it's not ready yet. Then I had to do the other test, and I had to do the other test, and I had to switch my flight from this flight to this flight. Five days later, I couldn't get anywhere. And then, um, and then finally in January, January, I was on my way to fly out again. I think it was January, and um, my test was going to take so long that I was going to get stuck in New Jersey. Then I was going to get stuck in Toronto. I was going to make the meetings. I had to go. And I was just, this is getting so frustrating. But when you have a passion to reach the lost, every, the Lord will show you what to do. And so I get off, I'm in Newark Airport, and I've got a partner there that I, I called them, and I said, listen, I'm not going to make this meeting I have to do in Dubai. So I said, can I just sleep at your house for a night? I just, I need to see if what I'm supposed to do, if I'm supposed to drive back south, or if I'm supposed to get on a plane to Toronto. And um, he goes, yeah. I said, I'll rent a car. I said, I don't want to check in a hotel. I just would rather have just face-to-face um, -face communication with other believers. So I'm at his house. He wasn't where he was working his job. I go into his house. I get some sleep, and I get up in the morning. I said, oh, I know what to do. I'm just going to rent a one-way car, drive down south to um, South Carolina, and then I'll see what to do next. And as I'm walking out, um, sometimes I can get a little loud, so I just want to let you know. I'm, uh, you might want to turn me down a little bit. So as I'm walking out of his house, he turns to me and he says, you know, he says, Cliff, I'm in the 50 and over motorcycle racing, um, uh, what do you call it? Uh, what? No, no, I'm a class. And he said, I, last year, before the pandemic, I was third place. And he said, I'm racing about all these young guys. And he said, I knew I was going to get second place this year. And he said, I'm coming around this corner and I couldn't get my bike back into um, neutral. And I was just so frustrated. All these kids are passing me by and they're like, you know, you're, all, you're always trying to win and all this stuff. And he said, so I walked off the track. And he said at the awards banquet, I knew I was getting second. 
But at the awards banquet for the 50 and over class, he said, I was two points away from being first class. I mean, first prize. And he said, he said, I realized if I wouldn't have walked off, I would have gotten first place. And I said, Ray, you just gave me a word. Don't stop trying. So I drove down 10, 12 hours. The next week, I bought another ticket, got another PCR, you know, returned the ticket, got another PCR test. And guess what? That PCR test didn't come through. So I go to Toronto, and everyone's like, oh, if you don't have the vax, I don't have a problem if people have the vax. No, no, it's, it's everyone's own business. But I, I get it. They said, oh, they won't let you out. They won't let you get in the airport. They won't let you. So I said, listen, I got to do what I have to do. And so I get up there, and my test hasn't come through. The PCR test hasn't come through. So I get up to, um, I get to Toronto, and I can't get on a plane. I'm flying to Germany, then I'm flying to Dubai, and then hopefully I'm going to get to Uganda or Hyderabad, India, to meet with this campaign director. And I get off the, the plane, and I'm like, I don't have the test. What am I going to do? So I walk out of the, the customs, because remember, this is another country. I walk out of the customs. Nobody asked me for my PCR test. Nobody asked me for anything. I walk out. I go to the front, the front of the counter. I said, listen, I, my test hasn't come through. And I said, I want to get on a plane tomorrow. And the guy, I don't know, maybe it's my personality. I, th I think I'm, I'm a fairly nice guy. W would you agree? Okay, you don't have to agree. So I, he's standing there and he goes, listen, we're so-and-so airlines. You're flying on our code share. And he goes, we just don't give away $1,000 tickets. Like trying to embarrass me. Don't try to embarrass me. Okay? And I, I look at him and said, I don't care about the $1,000 ticket. I care about getting my PCR test. Everybody's looking at me at the airport. I'm sorry. This is how God created me. <laughs> And so I didn't tell him that part. He goes, well, it's 10 minutes to 11 p.m. You can go out into the lobby and you can pay 400 Canadian, he didn't say Canadian, and get another PCR test. Or maybe two tram stops down the road, down the way, you can get to, but it's going to close at 11. That one's only 140. He didn't say Canadian, but you know what I'm saying. And I'm like, okay, I'll have to go for that one. I'm going to be smart. I get there, and the lady who's behind me who'd been stuck in New Jersey, her test didn't come through, come from Chicago. She's on her way to Dubai. She, she's, a behind, she's ahead of me. So he must have told her how to do it quicker. But he's thinking, yeah, we don't just give away $1,000 tickets. But anyway, so I get my test, and I walk out of the airport, and I walk across the street to the Marriott or whatever it was, check in. They, had, they made me sit in a, at the booth, you know, to, to wait to get in the restaurant. But the restaurant just had a counter. And people are walking past me. You don't have the vac, so you can't go and eat in a restaurant. I said, but I could sit here three feet away from people. And I, anyway, sorry, I don't, I don't want to get on that. But so I go back the next morning. Nobody checks me. I still don't have my PCR test. In fact, it said, do you want the 12-hour test or do you want the 24-hour test? And I checked, I want the 12-hour test. She goes, oh, I'm sorry, we don't do the 12-hour test anymore. We only do the 24-hour. Why do you have the 12-hour test on there then? Scratch it off. White it out. You know what I'm saying? Could you tell I was a little frustrated? So I get in, okay, I get in, and nobody checks my test. Nobody, I get in, I, here, here's my American passport, I get in, I sit down, and like two hours before the plane leaves, all of a sudden I get the thing, oh, your test has come through, and I run out, print it off. Nobody checks when I get on the plane to go to Germany. And then I land in Germany, nobody cares. It wasn't until I got to Dubai. But anyway, as I followed through, I end up connecting with this campaign director who'd worked with Reinhard Bonnke and John Osteen, 200 to 500,000 people. And we ended up doing a campaign in Uganda in February. I brought 17 people. Over 2,000 people got born again. I stopped through Dubai. 13 people got born again there. I went back through Germany. We went to Berchtesgaden, which is right on the German-Austrian border. And my friend and I were super fired up. He picks me up in his Land Rover. And he says, I have meetings tomorrow. He goes, you're going to have to drive at like 5 a.m. maybe the next day. Two days later at 5 a.m., you're going to have to drive yourself back to the airport because I'm going to sleep. And we go sit in a little restaurant on the German-Austrian border. You had to have your vax to go to the restaurant. 
But I went into this one hotel. They wouldn't give me my espresso. They wouldn't give me the food. And then we go to this other one. He goes regularly, and they never checked him or checked me because I was with him. And we sit down, and we started ministering to this Bavarian waitress. And she says, yeah, my boyfriend is stuck in New York. She was about 40, 45. And um, we said, can we pray for him? So we pray for him. He was sick for something. And she was so touched by us just reaching out and praying for her that the power of God was there. My friend is fluent in German and Spanish and English. And he leads her to Jesus, a Bavarian German waitress. Listen, there, they don't show a lot of emotion. And she is weeping like a baby. And I'm like, okay, this is like a prophetic utterance of what's going to, then 13 people, then 2,000 people. And I want to tell you this, right now people are hungry for our Lord. And we have everything right here. I know sometimes we, we had fires in Malibu four years ago. We are just working our way back. 20% of the homes burned, 23% of the people moved away. But those people need our Jesus. And sometimes, and I'm not saying this lightly, when we weather the storms, people will see we have something different. And that's what helps us make it through. So I'm going to tell you a couple quick stories. Nobody gave me a time frame, and I, I, I really don't want to be rude, but um, I, I really believe God gave me something powerful for this morning. So I was on my way to Bible college, to Rama, and um, uh, I'd come from Hawaii. I was a, a surfer and a windsurfer in Hawaii, and, and I just get my heart to go to the Midwest, go to Bible college. I didn't know much about the ministers. I just knew God had spoken to me. And I was flying through Colorado, and I'd made some acquaintances, and this man had sold a big house. This was uh, 1989. And he had a little Carmen Ghia, a 1969 Carmen Ghia, and I think a 71 Volkswagen um, convertible orange one. And I went to meet with some other friends while I was there. I'm on my way to Oklahoma in the summer. I'm, I'm supposed to teach windsurfing in the summer in Oklahoma. I was a windsurfer in Hawaii. That's just kind of what I did. And uh, I remember praying with these uh, Youth with a Mission guys. And while we're praying, one of them says, I see you traveling across the country in in a turtle. And I'm like, a turtle? What's a turtle? And so then I go back to my friends that I'm staying with in Pinebrook Hills in Colorado in uh, Boulder. And the man sits down to me and he says, Cliff, he says, uh, we just sold this house and we're going to get some new cars. We're wondering, would you like one of these cars we have in our garage? And he had this yellow Carmen Ghia, kind of a beige yellow 69 Carmen Ghia, and that um, orange convertible 70, 71, 72, whatever it was. And I remembered that we had prayed with these Youth with a Mission guys, and they'd seen a turtle. Well, a turtle doesn't have an open shell, or he's going to die. You guys got turtles out here? Yeah, sure you do. And so I knew God had led me which car I was going to take. So he says this to me, and it has to do with my message, and still nobody's given me any time frame, so maybe two, three o'clock, I guess we're all going to lunch together. But so we're sitting there, and he says, would you want one of those cars? And I said, yeah, I'd like the Carmen Ghia. And he said, okay, he goes, do you know a ministry that we can write it off on? And at that time, I didn't understand how ministries worked, and I immediately this evangelist that I'd worked with in Hawaii, her name jumped in my heart. I don't know how God speaks to you. The first way God speaks to all of us is through the word. This is his love letter to us. And so, you know, be careful if you're looking for voices because there's many voices in the, in the land and none of them are without significance. But you want to make sure that first you're full of this, his holy written word, because this is his love letter to us. And when you're full of this, then, um, then he, the Holy Spirit, and I like to say that so we know he's not some ooey-gooey, ooh, I got some goosebumps, must be the Holy Ghost. No, he's the third person of the Godhood. And so he confirms what you already have hidden in your heart. 
Don't look for, I, I was from California and Hawaii and I loved dreams. I like, dude, I had a dream that like I was in this wave and this shark went through and then the shark jumped over, turned into a dolphin. I'd be like, I'd wake up and I know where we are, okay? I'd be like, oh man, God must be telling me. Actually, it's funny because when the guy was playing music here, I think it was you and you kicked into that low growl. I immediately picture, I go, oh, who's ever playing right there? He's got long hair, big old beard. I open my eyes and I, okay, he's got the chops. But immediately when you go, and I was like, whoa, dude, you took, and I'm not from the 60s. I mean, I was born in the 60s, but I'm not from, I was like, whoa, you're taking me back here. So you know what? Even dreams make sure the dreams line up with the Word of God. Because sometimes it could just be the pizza or the salami sandwich or too much mayonnaise on your egg salad last night. You want to first get the Word in your heart and then let Him, the Holy Spirit, confirm that Word. So as this man says to me, we're in a big house on Pinebrook Hills, 10-bedroom house. He says, we'd like to give you one of our cars. And I heard this evangelist name that I work with. Just this is how he speaks to me. I just heard it right here. And I thought, man, she might have to pay the taxes. How are we going to do this? I, I, know, I don't know how well she does. I don't know how that works. So I said, no, I don't. But I did. He spoke to me right away what to do. And I didn't obey. And so he said, well, why don't we sell it to you for, say, $200 a month? And I heard $50 a month. And... I knew they were mega wealthy. It, wasn't, it was just a business deal. Do you understand? But I heard 50, and I should have just said 50. Really, I just should have said, call that lady. Hang on a minute. Let me slow down here a second. Call the lady. Hey, someone wants to give me a car. They want to give it through your ministry. Is that She would have said no problem, and I would have had a car. But then he said 200, and now this is 1989. He said 200, and then I, I heard 50. And I said, why don't we meet in the middle and do 100? Well, when school got going, and I, I, I never had suits at the time. I wore jean jackets. I actually had a Harley jacket, and I had a sheepskin jacket. They said, you can't wear jeans back then. So I had to give them away. I ended up getting some more. But then it got tough financially. And um, I, I was in prayer school one time, and I was praying, and I saw the Colorado license plate on my car. And I thought I needed to write this man and say, hey, I appreciate the deal you gave me, and, and I'm, I, I'm having a little struggles financially, but I found out that this place that I'm at is good ground. And I wrote this long letter because he didn't believe where I was going was of God. He believed I heard from God, but he didn't believe who I was connecting with. He thought I was going to be like a Daniel in Nebuchadnezzar's kingdom or whatever. You know what I'm saying? Or You know what I mean? He thought, oh, you're sneaking into Babylon. And you know, a lot of times we have false um, ideas of what's going on. Are you with me? And when we are full of the, the word of God and full of the Holy Spirit and we get attuned to his voice, he will guide us correctly. Well, make a long story short, he ended up flying out, taking back his car, and uh, he said to me, it was getting around Christmas, and he said, why don't you drive the car out to Colorado, and we want our car back because it's a business deal. And uh, I got huffy and puffy, and I said, you're the one with all the money. Why don't you fly out, pick up your car, and drive it out? And he, he calls me a few hours later, he says, I, I had to cash tw like 10 coupons in or whatever it was, but I'll be there this afternoon and I'll pick my car up. And he left me stranded. So I, I'm telling you this story. It's funny because when you talked to me about this, I knew where I was going to go with the sermon, but I knew how I had to start. And he said this. He said, um, he came, picked up the car and drove off. I ended up having to move out of my apartment. I didn't have a way to get to school. I had to get down with God and grow my faith to obey him. And the funny part is, even though that sounds like a story of failure, now when God speaks to me or I hear a quiet voice, 
okay? I wasn't going to say anything about Pastor Brandon's TV, but when I was sitting there, I wasn't asking God what I could do. All of a sudden, I heard, he needs a new TV, and you are going to buy him a new TV. So then I was like, well, isn't it? I don't know what kind of TV it is, but I've learned to obey the whispers of God. And so I walk up, because I was, I was Googling what kind of TV. I don't know. Maybe it's a good TV. Maybe it's a cool, I don't know. But I've learned to obey the quiet whispers. I'm not saying you won't have any more problems in life, but you will begin to navigate. And right now, we need to navigate. So I'm going to, I told you that story because it's helped me knowing when I didn't follow him to where now I just want to jump right away. We, we did this campaign in Uganda because the man had to make sure I paid my bills. I brought 17 people from Boise. They brought 30-something suitcases for the orphanage and for their school. They brought a whole lot more than I would have carried myself. We had a powerful meeting one time, but I'm not going to tell you about that one because I want to be respectful of our time. First Kings chapter 19, verse 11. We should get some word, right? Just not a lot about st cool stories, though. I do like nice stories. So Elijah has, has um, had radical victories in his life and some radical challenges. And First, first Kings chapter 19, verse 11 said, then he said, I'll tell you this real quick. So Elijah um, destroys all the prophets of Baal. He calls them out. There's a mighty outpouring. He says, he says, bring all the prophets out, and uh, we'll see whose God is, is, um, is the Lord. If it's going to be me, one single prophet, or all of you, 400. He called more than 400, but only 400 arrived. And then they're sitting there crying out, and Elijah starts mocking them. Hey, maybe he's sleeping. Maybe he's on a journey. Hey, I, I want to tell you this. There's times when you get to know our Father, and some people start pushing you, and there is a boldness that'll come up and you'll say, no, 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 my God has always come through for me. Who do you think you are? Nothing. The child of the living God. And he's my father. So, so, so Elijah's like, hey, why don't you know, call him. Then they were cutting themselves. They're doing all this weird stuff. And the Bible says, no one heard, no one listened. There was not a sound. And then right at the time of the sacrifice, I'm, I'm speeding this up for us, right at the time of sacrifice, he goes and he lays these, um, these bullocks there, these uh, bull, and he puts them on there and he says, now pour water over it. Do a little, a little ring around it, pour water on there, now pour more water and more water to make it impossible for the sacrifice. And then he cries out to heaven. And I'm telling you, sometimes in our challenging times when we've done everything we know to do, there is a time we get to cry out, say, God, show yourself strong on our behalf. Man, I'll tell you guys, I, I, I could have evangelistic outreach in this place. I could sense it here. So there's a time. So he cries out and fire from heaven comes down. We know the story. It doesn't just burn the, the bulls. It also licks up the, the stone, all the water, and all the people are like, oh, am goodness. The, he is God. And the problem is, if you know the story, they all got bummed. Oh, my gosh. And then we know he goes and he, he takes them all out. We're not allowed to do that anymore. Not that you never think about it. Not that you never think. I didn't say that. Re reverse that tape. Strike that from the record, judge. And he said, so then now we're back to 11, and he's sitting up there hiding out by himself. He goes, oh, God, I'm the only one. I'm the only one doing this. And he says, then he, then he said, God says in verse 11, go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord. And behold, the, lo behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and a strong wind tore into the mountains. And broke the rocks in pieces before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. Sometimes when we're talking to God, we're looking for the spectacular and we miss the supernatural. 
We want a big booming voice. Noah, I want you to build an ark. But when we're full of the word and full of the spirit, watch what happens. And after the earthquake of fire, verse 12, but the Lord was not in the fire, and after the fire, a still small voice. Elijah, at that time, the Spirit of God was only on the, the prophet, the priest, and the king. The prophet spoke to God for the people. The king, sorry, the prophet spoke to the people for God. The king was more like, I like to say administrative, but he was the ruler. So God had his anointing on them, the Holy Spirit on the kings, so that they could manage the people correctly. And sometimes they didn't. And then the priest went before God for the people. So the anointing only rested, the Holy Spirit, he only rested on those people for special things. Or if, if like somebody like Samson, where he had a special anointing on that. But for us, we all have him, the Holy Spirit, on the inside. And so we can look to God for our answers. It's interesting to me because even the prophet of that time, he had to go get direction from God for his own personal life even though he was a mouthpiece for God. Do you understand this? That should tell us something. So God first says, go out. If you're taking notes, he says, go out. Sometimes we got to get away from all of our stuff, all of our phones, all of our distractions, all of checking the, what is that? The, it's not the stock market, but where you're checking the, you know, the cattle and what the prices of cattle are. I'm from L.A., but we had horses, and we had, uh, my sister's actually a horse trainer on the Colorado, uh, California, Oregon border. So I was, we, our first horse was a Greenbroke Rodeo horse, uh, ap, uh, half Appaloosa, half um, uh, quarter horse, half Arabian, half Appaloosa. Um, we had a half Belgian, half quarter horse. I've been riding horses since I was like seven years old. We used to ride it in the backyard, the California surfer boy. Yep, that's it. I still know how to ride a horse. And so, what is that called when you're, what is it, this, what do you call it when you're checking? Yeah, the market, is it the market watch where you're seeing how, how, anyway, you know what I'm talking about. Sometimes those things are important for our business, but God said to Elijah to go out, pull away, get quiet, turn off your TVs. I know football season is just starting, preseason. I'm sorry, but I do like Brady. Okay, I'm sorry. Maybe it's his last year, but I do like Brady. He's a man of excellence. He had a few bad years and some other moral choices that I wouldn't agree with, but now he's awesome, isn't he? I didn't hear any amends in that. <laughs> this must not, not be football territory. I'm, I'm totally kidding. I'm totally kidding. But you know what? So he told him to go out. And after the, afterwards, the earthquake, verse 12, after the earthquake of fire, but, but the Lord was not in the fire. Am I riling people up here? No, 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 I'm not. And after the fire, a still small voice. So first he told them to go out. And then Elijah heard. Sometimes you got to get quiet and not just spend 15 minutes praying in the Holy Spirit, praying in other tongues, and then say, God, I need my answer now because I got things to do. I got a place to go. I got a dinner to catch. I got something going on. You, you know what I'm talking about? We've had a few challenges. They, they, my, family's, my family's asked me to stop saying challenges, but we are coming to the victory side, Okay. But I found out in the midst of the challenge, we can either throw in the towel or we can get serious with God because just like that car, I was sponsored from these, these business people in Hawaii. They were from Tennessee and they owned eight cattle farm, um, catfish farm. They had a daycare and they had a drive-in kind of like a sonic thing in their place in Tennessee. They sponsored me for Rama. Then God tried to send me out with a free car. But I over-negotiated on God. You know, God has every one of our answers right now. Okay? I, I, I'm going to bring it up only because Pastor Brandon brought it up. I didn't necessarily walk in and go, I wonder if I could buy somebody a TV today. But I am asking God that I hear his whispers. 
And if I'm believing God for a property in California after the fires, after all the properties have not been rebuilt, I'm going to need a miracle. And if I'm going to need a major miracle, he might just have me be a minor miracle for somebody else. You know what I'm talking about? Are we doing okay? Okay, so the first thing he did is he said, God told him to go out. Then it says in verse 13, Elisha heard. And then it says that, he, it says when Elisha heard it, he wrapped his face in his mantle. And there's a couple things I'd say about this. Don't necessarily quote me on this. It's not doctrine. I think Elisha's mantle represented his ministry gift. And sometimes even us preachers, we want to hear from God. Like, I'll tell you, Sometimes for me, when I have a sermon in my heart that I'm supposed to preach, I look for God gives me a little voice, just a little thing how to start it. I don't know how everyone else does it. But when I'm in Uganda and I don't know the people and they're dancing like some funny, or they're, I'm in Pakistan and I'm, ding, 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 and I'm not, I can't connect. Is it holy, holy? It's not like that. And they're like, bing, 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 bing. I got a scratchy lay around my neck. Bing, bing, bing. I'm like, God, I have to hear from you. And then three demons start manifesting. You know what I'm saying? They're whoa, like this. And then I'm like, what do I do, God? What do I do? You know what I'm saying? I'm looking for his whisper for me to complete my gift. I, one time I was in Pakistan. Are we doing okay? Anybody need like some coffees or something like that? I almost want to give you some. Anyway, so I'm in the first time in Kasur City in Pakistan. We're in an 800, uh, 800 seat area. Like I call it Plataea. It really comes from Greece. And I've got five armed guards. I mean, Kirishnikovs and AK-47s because it's a dangerous place. And I get up there and I start to do just like I did here. And the Lord says, walk down there and go pray for that lady with the, with the yellow uh, headdress or whatever, the yellow scarf on holding the baby. So I'm like, okay, what else? Do I? So I walk down. Hey guys, just, I'm Cliff Graham. I said, ma'am, are you doing okay? Did I throw something over there? I said, ma'am, are you okay? She goes, no. And I said, come out here. The Lord says to pray for you. She comes out here. And she's holding a baby. I said, is your baby? She says, no, I have fear. So I break the fear over. Lord says, good, you're done. And then I walk back up like, what was that? So then some other stuff starts happening. At the end of the meeting, the, co the police come up to me from Kasur City and they say, hey, just to let you know, there were five radical Muslims in that meeting. And all of a sudden I went, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Lord, you had me walk right there. They're right there with their big beards, and they were probably saying, oh, and they're calling on their guy. I'm not going to say it. Oh, if you just let us get to him, we will take him down. And then God used me as bait to go, come on, baby, bring it on. I said, Lord, that's not fair. But you know the thing about it is when God's power shows up, they go, oh, Maybe, maybe we're not going to touch that guy. You with me? Oh, glory to God. So I look for that at the beginning of my meeting because I go, God, how are you going to start? I, I, I'm not a pastor. Don't, I, I'm not called to pastor. Don't put me in that box. Okay, if, he, if, there's a, if there's a period of time where I pastor people, friends, ministry, whatever, then I do that. But I know what my calling is. And as long as I stay in my part, I'm going to get the, be the most effective and I'm going to get the reward for what I'm supposed to do as long as you're in your part and you obey the whispers. So here we go. First, he, he said, go out. Then, um, then he heard it. And then, and I got to look at my notes on here. I'm having so much fun with you guys. Oh, then he wrapped it up. And so I, there's two ways you could take this. One is he cut off all the distractions. But also he took his ministry gift and he said, Lord, this is nothing to me. Because I can't rely on my ministry gift to get the direction from God for my personal life. Because that's separate. I get to take my time and seek the Lord just like you get to take your time and seek the Lord. To me, what blessed me 
walking into, um, I love, okay, all right. See, like this. So while I'm sitting here worshiping, we were at a church the other day, and somebody came up and slipped me a couple hundred dollar bills. Well, I don't tell my wife that, because that's my hidden money for when I need it. See, I love how he does this to me. And so I'm sitting here worshiping, and he goes, I like to bless pastors. I want to give you a secret here. Maybe the pastors need to cover their ears. The more you bless your pastor, the more you're going to get blessed because they're the representation of Jesus. They didn't pay me anything to do that because I bought them a TV yesterday with a sound bar and the wires and some little Bavita crackers, okay? So I'm sitting down here and the Lord's like, you have those $200 bills. I'm like, Lord, those are my private $100 bills. My wife doesn't even know about that. And I have to get on the pulpit and expose myself because I like sewing into pastor's kids. Okay, and he said, I, I was sitting here going, I have to hear from God myself because I know that I have a minister's kid, a preacher's kid, and the more I sow into pastor's kids, the more my daughter gets a $175,000 scholarship because when I sow, I reap. You understand this? So th they wouldn't tell you that Miss Pamela is the one who gave me espresso machine. I thought it was mine. And then she had to get it out of the house. You've never picked this up. She drops it off to me in a winter Bible seminar. She goes, here, take some of your books and take your espresso machine. I'm like, uh, my wife won't let me take it back to Idaho. And the fires have happened in Malibu. And we're in Florida. So I pull up in Florida. And this pastor opens up the door and goes, oh, is that espresso machine for me? And I'm like, no, 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 that's my espresso no, no. That, oh, I'm so glad we were looking for an espresso machine. No, no, no. That's my espresso machine. No, that's, I was just blessed with this. I guess it's your espresso machine. But let me tell you the rest of the story. How many years ago was that? Four? Four years later, I was just given in Baltimore, I was given a four, three or four thousand dollar Electra espresso machine. And then somebody I'm just talking about the goodness of God. Someone gave me during the pandemic a 2014 GTI that the Lord told me to give to somebody else, a, a children's pastor, but he also gave me a Rancilio espresso maker with a grinder and with some, and then my own family bought me one. So that espresso machine that you sewed went to a pastor in Florida, and now I've reaped three more. I'm like, what do I need three for? I keep giving. So this, listen, so he wraps himself in his mantle. He puts aside, he gets all the distraction out. He puts aside his calling, his gifting, and he gets quiet with God. And then God tells him direction, and I'm not going to go there. Okay, I'll go part of it. He said, then the Lord said to him, go return on your way to the wilderness, to Damascus. And when you arrive, anoint um, Hazael as king over Syria. And you shall anoint Jehu, the son of Nimshah, as Nimshi as king over Israel. And Elisha, the son of Shavat, of Abel, Meholah, you shall anoint a prophet in your place. So when he finally got quiet, the spectacular is not what gave him direction. It was the still small voice. He told him to go out, get quiet. He listened. He got all the distractions out. And then he immediately did what God told him to do. And I want to challenge us in the whispers of God. That story where I had a problem with the Carmen Gia, I realized that on my way to Bible college from Hawaii, God tried to provide me. He provided me with a job, windsurfing job, had an amazing apartment. He tried to give me everything. But because I didn't slow down and listen, you understand? I ended up losing one of them. But the thing is, it reminds me all the time when people are pushing me, go faster, go faster, go fast, because I'm a fast-moving person. Uh, those are the times I get slower. I get slower. Can I tell you two quick more stories? Is that all right? The more you listen and obey, the more he'll tell you. The closer you are to him and, and the more you obey, obey him, the more whispers. You know when you gotta, how you got to hear a whisper? You got to get close. And a lot of us, even when we're having challenges, 
we tend to run instead of run to him. But sometimes those areas that are, that are challenging in our lives are the exact thing that's going to launch us to the next point because it'll force us to get quiet with them. So I, was, I um, had moved to Tulsa for the summer. I was teaching windsurfing, had that little Carmagia, had a really cool apartment. I was teaching windsurfing out of Lake Keystone, and then I worked four days a week teaching windsurfing, and I ended up on my days, as soon as I got done teaching windsurfing, I got to windsurf the lake. Well, I was a surfer in Hawaii. I was like six, 10 hours a day in the water, taught windsurfing, surfed. So that was awesome for me. I have this nice little cool Carmagia, and... Um, I turn in my application. Well, I moved to, to, or, or to Tulsa because I wanted to acclimate to the community, get used to it, find out what it was like. One morning, I get up in my quiet time in the summer. I wasn't teaching windsurfing that day because I would, I would already been gone. And I'm headed to my P.O. box in Broken Arrow. We were just there last week. And for me, I'm a full circle guy. Most of us, the Westerners, we think in a linear, Wow. You know how, how I know this area so well? When we lost our daughter, that, that pastor called us up and had us do that mural at um, Church in the Cornfield. I don't know if you, some of you know about that mural. I, I was, I asked the Lord I, at the old location. I was asking God what to do during a really tough time. And a pastor calls me out of the blue and said, I saw a project you did in, um, in uh, Kalamazoo, Michigan, and he said, I'd like you, I asked God for a, a cutting edge mural to attract people from outside or from our local community. He goes, we're reaching all these other people. And he doesn't know the depth of that one. I was on the Jersey Shore. I was supposed to help somebody. I was flying back to California regularly. And the pastor said, hey, we're too busy right now. We don't need you. But if you can find something to do, I said, don't say that. I'll find something to do. And we got a call from that pastor. And he said, I need you here by tomorrow. I'm like, no, no, I'm speaking somewhere. He goes, I drove 20 hours, picked up my artist in Albany. We drove 20 hours with no sleep, put a mattress in the back of this minivan we rented. Oh, no, the Frustals gave us, put a minivan in there. And they had the pipe pass that cut all the... Oh, paid for it. We must have spent $150 on the Pike Pass coming out here for that. We showed up, gave them a bid for the project. 3,000, well, some of you guys know, right? 3,000 square foot hand airbrushed. But it was a time where my family needed to rest and I needed to be focused on a project. But that was our first time we moved to Malibu. And in the midst of it, I'm a full circle guy. We're back here again in the cornfield and we're taking our next mighty leap. Wow, I just got a whisper from God. So, so, I, so anyway, let me go back. So we're, I'm walking to the P.O. box. I'd had my quiet time in the morning and the Holy Spirit, I'm almost done. The Holy Spirit said to me, don't think good or evil of this. I was full of the word, full of prayer, full of Holy Spirit. And I'm just walking to my P.O. box. I was just there. It just hit me last week when I was driving down the street. And I'm walking up, and I open up the P.O. box, and there's a letter from Rama. It says, we think your stability and so-and-so and so-and-so, maybe you should wait a year before you go to Bible college. And all I remember was the whisper of God, don't think good or evil of this. And the next morning, I, I got up, and I'm quiet time in the morning, and the Holy Spirit said, go, to, go back to them and they'll let you in. So I put on a, sh I, 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 I didn't, I was a surfer. I wore shorts and t-shirts all the time. So I put on a short sleeve shirt and I put on a tie, because we, we were required to wear ties back then, and I showed up in the office, I don't know, eight, nine o'clock, whatever time it opened, and I said, hey, I got this letter and I just won't think maybe somebody should look at it, because what I, what I already told the Lord, I'd already told the Lord, I'm going to sell my 69 Carmen Gia, which is worth a boatload. I'm going to go to Rayma, Australia, so I could surf when I'm going to go to school, okay? And so I go back into the office. I go to the office, go to the office, and I, I said, um, maybe somebody could look at this, and um, maybe I'm not even supposed to go to Bible school here. 
And the lady said, just to let you know, if we don't call you by 5 o'clock, if we don't call you by 5 o'clock, most likely you're not in. So they don't call me by 5 o'clock. So the next morning I get up and I'm seeking the Lord and I don't get anything. All I had is two days before, don't think good or evil of this. And then I get the letter. And it's funny because I was preaching this somewhere, I think in Dubai. And I thought, I didn't think evil of it. I just didn't think good of it. You know what I mean? I didn't think evil of it. But I didn't think like, what good thing could come out of this? So I go back and, but the Lord didn't say anything now. So all I had is his words from the day before that the Holy Spirit spoke to me. So I went back in. I think I changed my tie. Probably had the same shirt, but a different tie. And I went in and I, I sat down. And I said, hey, I just want to know again, you know, that relentless. Do you know what I'm talking about? You know what happens when we're full of the word and we're full of his spirit? He will cause us to be relentless. And I said, hey, I just want to bring this back and see. They already told me the next day, if we don't call you by five, most like you're not in. And I sat down. I must have sat there for two hours. You know, it could have been 20 minutes, but you know what I'm talking about? It feels like it's forever. And they called me and said, uh, Cliff Graham? I said, yes. And they said, and they hand me my acceptance letter. I'm talking about the whispers of God. We were in California last week, and this is my last one. And um, we're visiting with the people, and we're taking our next step to make an offer on a property. And I meet with somebody, and somebody else is like, what are you doing? I'm like, oh, it's, just, it's my private business. So I didn't think it was necessary to share with them. We had like an altercation because of the situation. And I went back to the hotel with my family. I said, I'm going to go sit at my mom's house. My mom just fell, broke a rib, and bruised her thorax. And I said, I called him. I said, I don't want to be around anybody. I'm going to sit with my, my almost 83-year-old mom and my 85-year-old aunt. And I'm sitting there, and they're watching some TV, and I'm just like stewing. Anybody know what I'm like to stew? I'm stewing. And I turned to my, my mom, and I said, hey, my uncle passed two months earlier. I said, when's his memorial? I thought it was August 8th, and we'd just gotten in. She said, she, my mom turns to me. Anybody got those moms like that? They go, I told you, it's tomorrow at this time. She didn't say it like that, but you, you know what I'm saying. It's probably my brain recognized like that. And I said, oh my gosh, I'm here. I can go to that. But I don't know anybody going to this because my uncle he got remarried. And um, I'm driving an hour to this the next day. If I wouldn't have been there, if I wouldn't have taken one more step, and I, I didn't know if my uncle was saved, 32 years earlier, I was flying from Bible school to Hawaii, and then I went surfing at Christmas time, and my uncle gave me a ride on Christmas Day to the airport, and I witnessed to him the whole way. And when he dropped me off, he was shaking just from, you know, just the power of God touching him. Nothing ever happened. I don't know if he ever got born again. And I went to this, um, this memorial, and the first thing that his second wife gets up and says, Jim got born again six months before he passed. My son-in-law ministered to him, and all of them were talking about Christians there, and it just taught me we really need, I'd rather see somebody get saved right now or 15 minutes from now. You know what I'm talking about? But to hear that my uncle 32 years later from preaching to him, he got saved is worth it all. Let's just close our, close our eyes for a minute. Father, I just thank you for this time this morning. I know it's a Sunday morning, but if chance, um, someone here has never given their heart to him, to Jesus Christ. 2,000 years ago at Calvary, Jesus hung on a tree to pay the price for our sin because we could not do anything about our sin. There's nothing we could do to earn our way to heaven. I like to use this analogy. If you um, stole $20 out of your mom's purse as you're walking out the door and she caught you, I don't care if you had another 100 you could never heal that you stole from your mom. And when we sin, it's much more than that. So God knew we could never earn our way to heaven, so he sent his son to die for us. 
And when you receive him as Lord and Savior, he just looks at you as brand new, brand clean. If there's someone here this morning at 11.32 and you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, he's tugging on your heart right now. If someone here, 1142, if someone here has never given your heart, quickly raise up your hand. I want to pray for you. Is there anybody that's never given their heart to Jesus? I'm going to look one more time. Anybody, 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 anybody? Nope. Okay, everyone look up at me. I guarantee you there's somebody in your life right now that God has been whispering to you about, telling them about, your Jesus, about our Jesus. And I want to challenge you people right now, I believe Jesus is coming sooner than most of us think. And we need to listen, not just for us, not just for TVs, not just for jobs and cars and schools, but for souls. Because when that trumpet blows, we're, oh, I could have told them. And so, just want to challenge you. Amen. Thanks for having us. Thanks for supporting us, you guys. Thanks for listening. We hope that this message helps you draw closer to God as you walk out your faith. We'll see you next week.